Hello, Matt. Uh, hello, everyone. Again, uh, this is the second part of the interview uh, with Matt Smith, uh, who couldn't uh, or didn't watch the first part of this interview. Basically, we're speaking with uh, Matthew Smith, a designer, art director of Supply Frame with 30 years of experience in the technological sector, when he's giving uh, his experiences, his advices, and so on and so forth, really interesting one. And this is the second part uh, where we have a few more questions that we want to know uh, about uh, his designer uh, side. So yeah, let's get started. And what is harder, the people or the project? What is harder? I'd have to say the people. The people. And not because people are difficult in general, but I think it goes both ways, right? Um, people can be, they can be difficult. They can be. Uh, but the best way to deal with a difficult person is to not be difficult. Um, and that's not the tendency of most. Most people will just deal difficultly with a difficult person. Um, but when you do that, and I trust me, I've learned the hard way, uh, that can cause not only breakdown in communication, but it can just bring a project right to a halt. Um, yeah. And careers can be affected by that. So, yes, definitely learn how to be a good cooperator. Uh, and learn how to manage people along the way, definitely. Sure. And um, would you give us uh, an advice, maybe if you have it, because maybe you don't have it, uh, that discordance sometimes that there can be between designers and developers. Uh, sometimes it's like, this is what we want. This is what we can do or we want to do. Uh, how to, uh, how can I say, improve that relationship and improve that coherence between those two groups, which are essential in one project? Yeah, this is a tough one for me because there was a time when developers could tell you that's impossible. You can't do that, right? There was a time. I mean, I lived through that time and I remember being completely governed by the development department. You know, they were the word of God. If they said it could happen or not happen, you believed them, right? Um, but that's just not the case anymore. I don't believe that. Uh, I believe that if a designer can imagine it, then there's a developer out there that can develop it. Um, now, that doesn't mean that designers have become, you know, the voice of the, the, of the project. That's not true either. Uh, they still have to work with developers because Frankly, developers can decide whether or not it's going to happen. They still can do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they like to work within their comfort zone as well. So designers need to be patient when it comes to that. But I think developers can learn a lot uh, by kind of forcing themselves to, or challenging themselves. When a designer gives them an idea, um, challenge yourself to make it happen. Because when you do that, oh my goodness, that, that's where I've seen the most success is when a developer goes out of their way to make a design work. Um, that's when everybody wins, right? Maybe yeah, a designer right. with a technical profile as yours, that you have a proficiency in some language, coding language, can really make empathy with the other side, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I do. I do. I mean, I, even though I believe that anything can, is possible, I also know and believe that it takes time. It takes time. Development is not easy. It's just not. And if I could like have anything written on my gravestone, it would be, this was hard. This was hard. Uh, whether you like it or not, this work takes time and it, it, it takes a lot of effort. So yes, you're right. 
you're right. The best thing you can do is develop empathy for the other side. Uh, one question I have. I'm sorry, Osman, maybe I will step uh, your side uh, if you let me. Uh, is how do you prioritize user experience in your design process? And what kind of methods uh, can you use to gather feedback, either from internal uh, feedback and also external? Yeah, I really like this question because user experience, uh, it came along late in my career. Um, and I remember thinking I didn't quite understand the idea of really focusing in on that. But today, I wouldn't do a project without one. Um, I really believe that not only is the user experience probably close to the top of the most important thing, um, let's be honest, without a good experience, you don't have a user. So uh, yeah, if I don't have a qualified user experience person on a project, um, then I do what I call like um, the pseudo way. I will find people uh, that will test my product. And if I can't, I use my own family members. I have children that are more savvy than most of my you know, colleagues when it comes to using a computer. And if I can show them a design and ask them to step through it, it's amazing what I can learn from them. And, and it never fails that they will give me the kind of feedback that is not only honest, but it's a current feedback, right? Uh, they understand what makes people tick. Now, granted, you have to use different age groups as well. Like I would tell you that in our industry, uh, the average user is probably a little bit older. Uh, do they use the internet or, or technology the way young people do? Absolutely not. Uh, so all of that has to be considered. Uh, so when all else fails, I do like to use technology. Um, I'll fall back on that quite often. In fact, I, I like heat maps. I think heat maps are extremely useful. Uh, user groups, fantastic. But who has the time and the budget to do that? Not many. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I think you have to be nimble when it comes to user experience. Uh, if you don't have someone on staff who is educated and experienced in it, uh, then yes, you absolutely have to be nimble. Okay, uh, thank you so much. Uh, one last question. Uh, it will be, Matt, an open question. Uh, okay, uh, you can, uh, since you're working for supply frame and you understand the sector, uh, you don't have to give uh, any details that may put you in danger, let's say. Sure. Uh, I would like to ask you about uh, supply chain a general context, because last time when you were talking with me and Osman, you gave us a, a good speech, which <laughs> enlightened us about the supply chain worldwide situation. So uh, I would like to hear a little bit about you, uh, about your opinion in that manner, uh, always with your borders, of course. Uh, sure. So my question is, uh, how do you see after the pandemic, the supply chain uh situation in every sector in the world yeah this is this is a difficult subject i know i remember talking to you fellows about it and um you know i i tend to be i i really do like being around supply chain professionals because um they're very honest about what's happening in the world uh the supply chain has has um been severed right it's not just broken uh, you could almost say it's kind of like se severing a, um, you know, a spinal cord in the body. Uh, the chances of repairing a, a severed spinal cord are, you know, nil, right? I mean, it can be done, but 
odds are it's never going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Well, that's how I see the supply chain. Uh, it's never going to be the same. And experts will tell you uh, it's broken permanently. So what do you do when something is broken permanently? You know, you have to find another way. Um, I mean, that analogy about a spinal cord is pretty good because what happens when someone severs their spinal cord, uh, they really have to make some adjustments in their life in order to, to uh, even function. So how, do, how does business function today with a broken supply chain? Um, and this isn't just a commercial for supply frame, but I do believe that companies like supply frame uh, are going to be leading the way. Uh, they're going to be helping companies figure out something different. Because if you imagine your supply chain like a straight line, and I think companies in the past actually did have that benefit of a straight line supply chain, um, that straight line no longer exists. Uh, if it's not jagged, it actually spins around and does loops now. Uh, so how do you optimize that? How do you make it more efficient? Um, you need technology. You need companies like SupplyFrame who have the data. Uh, they have the knowledge and the expertise. Uh, some of these, these professionals, they are so incredibly smart and so incredibly experienced. I mean, they, they know. They know what's going to happen. They're predictors of, of future events. And they understand it. Um, and they can save a company not only billions of dollars, but they can save the company itself. Um, so I guess what I would say if I were giving uh, any CEO's advice is to reach out and fix that supply, you know, that supply chain. Uh, reach out to a company that can offer you that kind of solution. Um, unfortunately, it's not a happy ending. You know, it's a dire situation. Uh, will it get better? Probably not. Most likely it will not. Uh, those who survive will be the ones who figured out how to maneuver, you know, and how to uh, be flexible and to change the path. To figure out, you mean relying on technology, for example, as supply frame is offering uh, data uh, or uh, by finding completely a 180 degree way going, for example, local, let's say. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe all of those things are true, Maud. I mean, you know, you let's just say this. The old way is impossible. The current way is impossible. There will be a new way. Uh, maybe we haven't even seen it yet. The solutions are still like futuristic, you know, and when you look at like an industry is uh, like component, the component industry that supply frame has been focused on, the component industry has been turned on its ear. Not only are the, are the materials, just the simple materials that make a simple component almost near impossible to find anymore. The raw materials that make up those components are being bought up in record numbers. And, you know, there's, there's corners on markets that are happening that can really have an impact for the future events. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert in this field at all. I'm only telling you what I'm hearing and what I'm hearing does not sound promising at all. Um, but can it be solved? Possibly. Really, there's only one way, and that's, you know, through technology or maybe, as you said, if, you know, if someone has to figure out how to go local, which can be challenging, we know that, 
Um, we know that a lot of companies that were working with China are figuring out other routes now. I mean, they their whole lively, livelihood, their whole business plan was built on working with China and they've had to unplug that. Now imagine, where do you go? What do you do? Yeah, mostly for electronic components, uh, as you said, where the sources, the natural sources are really in specific locations on Earth. And those who manufacture and manipulate those resources are also really limited. Uh, and if you say that the supply chain is kind of broken or really uh, severe uh, damaged, uh, I think, I believe that we can rely just on technology, uh, to be honest, as you said, and mostly on data to kind of predict what can it happen in the future. But yeah, it was it's really enlightening to hear from someone in the sector that, uh, yeah, it, because it's, it's like there is an elephant in the room, yeah. but no one wants to talk about it, right? No. That, that's the problem. And you really are telling us like, hey, guys, there is a problem in the supply chain, but there is a solution, right? Yeah. There is a possible solution, which is related on data and predictions as, for example, supply frame you're doing, right? So basically, that's my question uh, for uh, for the supply chain uh, topic. Uh, my set is over. Uh, by the way, I need to say something. Uh, probably I need to make an intro at the end of the recording. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. So, Osman, the ball is yours. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my first question is, um, how do you stay up to date with the latest creative trends and uh, industry developments? Do you attend any conferences, read blogs or publications, or do you engage with uh, other creatives on social media or in your circle maybe? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question, Osman. I, I, um, throughout my career, that avenue of inspiration has changed, right? Uh, especially when the internet came along and, and you could reach out and speak to designers all over the world. That was just an incredible thing. I will tell you that I, I kind of, not that I outgrew that, but that did become challenging after a while. And I did find myself kind of reverting back to some of the ways I was inspired before. Um, and that was, you know, by using websites that I, I, I really enjoy. Um, in fact, I was just showing a client recently, uh, the Dribble website that I'm sure you're familiar with. Dribble is a, a site that yeah. showcases some of the best designers in the world mm -hmm. uh, in what they're doing at the moment. And I, I believe that that is one of the best ways. In fact, I had a, a colleague recently point out to me how uh, he uses Pinterest. And I, I was shocked at that. I thought, Pinterest, isn't that something, you know, that my wife uses, to, you know, to find, I don't know. <laughs> Trinkets, I, you know, I, not to be insulting, but I, I didn't understand the, you know, the value there. But mm -hmm. um, very similar approach where designers use these outlets to showcase their work. Uh, and I think it's a tremendous way to be inspired. Um, I also go to trade shows as much as I can. You know, they're very costly, but when I can uh, afford it or when I can have uh, someone else pay for it, uh, of course I do. I went to the latest Adobe Max just this past year. And uh, it was fantastic. Uh, the inspiration is, you know, they bring in some very ins uh, inspiring speakers that um, talk on every every avenue of subject, which is fantastic. That was not the case in the past. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I guess uh, other than that, connecting with, with designers online, I would encourage people to do that. I wish I did it more. It's just something I don't have time anymore to do. Right. Okay, so um, 
My next question is, uh, what advice do you have for aspiring creatives who are just starting out in the industry? You know, you really have to figure out how to market yourself. Um, I've talked, I've talked to endless young designers. I, I've been in roles where I've had to hire interns and had teams of interns. And I was always surprised that they would come out of school without a working portfolio. Uh, one that was um, kind of targeted for what they felt that they were really good at, you know. Um, in fact, I, I can remember even helping young designers develop portfolios on the job uh, just so that they could, you know, have something to show their next potential client um, or employer. So I guess focusing in on your self-promotion uh, would be key, right? Um reach out, find a mentor. You know, if you want to work in a specific in industry, reach out. There are mentors out there waiting. They're waiting. That's, to actually, that's actually much easier now with, with the internet and uh, things like Twitter or LinkedIn. So oh, it's yeah. much easier to reach out to those uh, experts in the field. Yeah. Don't be afraid to, because I, th I think that those mentors, they find it just as fulfilling. I know I do. I said it earlier. I mean, I really do believe that it's a give and take industry. You know, everyone loves what they do in this industry. I've never heard any designer say they hate what they're doing. You know, they love it. And they're more than willing to share that with other designers. Okay. And um, how do you build and maintain a strong creative team? What qualities do you look for when hiring creative professionals? Yeah, that's a great question too. Um, you know, there's a couple things I look for in interviews. Uh, I look for eye contact. You know, I look for eye contact. I look for good listening skills. You know, I look for positivity. Um, you can kind of read that on a person. You know, I've, I've hired a couple of people that I probably shouldn't have. You know, and I, I, uh, maybe I was influenced by their quality of work. Um, but what I found is Someone can be great, but if they're hard to work with, difficult personality, it doesn't matter. You know, they could be the next Picasso and it wouldn't matter. Um, yeah, looking for someone who really can fit in uh, and be a good collaborator. It makes a huge difference. You know, we, of course, the flip side of that is we don't want drones. Nobody wants a yes man. Um, everyone... We're all looking for, uh, you know, a very inspired creative who's willing to kind of put their neck out there um, and learn how to take criticism. You know, a person that can take criticism, honest criticism and in, in constructive criticism uh, will get a lot further than the person who uh, has a chip on their shoulder or, you know, really believes that they're the best designer they know. So, yeah, figure out how to mold your personality in a way that make you likable <laughs> and make you approachable. Uh, and you will probably get a lot, have a, bet, a much better shot at that second interview. That's great advice. Thank you. And um, how do you collaborate with other team members uh, when dealing with large projects such as uh, writers, designers, and developers to bring a project to life? That's another great question. You know, I, I, uh, for the first time in my career, I'm, I'm working 100% remotely. Um, and I've been doing that since uh, the pandemic started. 
So I'm going on four years now. I don't even know, but I've been in this office by myself uh, more days than I can count. Um, and that has been very difficult for me. I, I really felt like as a designer and a creative, um, I work best alone. I even found myself while I'm in the office, isolating myself in order to, to really focus. But what I found is that I was lacking. Uh, I was starving really for that interaction, especially with other creatives um, and not just creatives, but those who are willing to give their creative opinion. Um, I've actually found that collaborating with people who aren't necessarily designers, uh, but understand the internet, they understand uh, the user environment, whether they know it or not. Um, they understand customers, they understand um, partners. They're just as good to collaborate with on design subjects. Uh, it's amazing what you can learn from somebody who isn't necessarily part of your industry. Uh, anyway, I guess long story short, um, be a good collaborator. You know, collaborating is is so important. And I, I often I often let it slip away if I'm not careful, especially in the remote environment. Um, I can go sometimes days, even maybe weeks without having a real good collaboration session. Um, I had that actually pointed out to me just recently at work that maybe we should collaborate more. And what a difference it makes when you make the effort. Uh, it's easy to not want to do it, but you'll find that if you do it, uh, it really will uh, help not only the creative process, but it'll it'll help your overall working environment. Right. That's absolutely right. So um, the pandemic has really changed the way we work. And uh, can you share any tips or strategies for keeping team morale and motivation high uh, throughout the course of a long and complex project, or especially during a time like this where uh, working has really changed due to the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. Another great question. Um, personally, what I have found is that Zoom, working remotely, working, uh, you know, through technology takes away that, um, that, you know, that connection you can make on a personal level with your fellow employees. And what happens is it becomes very, uh, what's the word? very robotic, you know, very secular. Uh, and that's unfortunate because I remember being in the office and having a good time, you know, going to lunch with my colleagues, um, you know, just hanging out for a break, playing pool. We had a, you had a pool table, you know, playing ping pong, stuff like that, that really does tend to, you know, it takes the, it takes the sting off a little bit. Uh, but when you're working in this type of environment, you lose track of that. Yeah. Not only are you not paying attention to the clock, but you're sitting in the same spot almost all day. You know, and if I'm not careful, I'll just go sit in my recliner, which is in the same room and fall asleep and watch, you know, watching TV. So my whole day was spent right here in this room, you know? So that being said, making work fun, you know, it, collaboration is one thing, but if your collaboration is all about work, I can see that as a problem. In fact, I did learn one of my first um, roles during the pandemic was with a different company. 
uh, and it was also on the West Coast. So I was working remotely with them. And uh, the director of the department often brought us together to do these funny little activities online. And he found these online games that were kind of creative, you know, and I remember at first thinking, this is ridiculous. What an incredible waste of time, you know? But I eventually started to see the importance of it. And I understood why it was being done because it brought us together. You got to hear people laugh. And I was amazed to hear someone laugh who's, who I'd never heard laugh before. And it was only because they, I'd never been in a room where there was a joke being shared, you know? So yes, absolutely. Lighten up a little bit, have some fun, uh, find a way to get to know each other a little better. That's great. Thank you. And uh, what is your source for inspiration? Uh, how do you nurture your creativity? That's going to be my last question. I was going to ask that, Osman, really. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, you might be surprised to know that my source of inf uh, inspiration comes from music. You know, I'm not a musician. Um, but what I find is when I put music on that I, that I enjoy while I'm working, I can't believe how more um, productive I am or how my mood changes or how it even affects the work that I'm doing. Um, I've even found that different genres of, of music can, you know, apply or be appropriate. You know, there are times when I got, I have music on that's way too hard. And I think that's just not working for me. And I'll, I'll put on some classical music or something like that. And it really drags me along. And it, yeah, and I, I can't explain it. I, I'm not, an, I don't know enough about music to know that. Um, my daughter is a musician and I, She has, her room is right above my office and I hear her up there playing her variety of instruments. And I know why she does it because it inspires her, it inspires thought, it inspires um, uh, creativity. It, it inspires like action. Um, so yeah, I, I'd have to say my number one influencer is music. Thank you so much for your answers, Matt. Uh, it was really interesting to know that your inspiration for design comes from music. I would never guess, to be honest. I thank you so much for your time, for your answers. It was really precious time. Really enjoyed, really had fun together, even we do it uh, almost daily in our meetings. And for the viewers, thank you so much also for your time, for supporting this channel and this content. For more exciting content, please subscribe and leave a comment and see you. Thank <music> you.